Welcome to the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and I'm so honored to have the beautiful Gianna Simone with us today. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time out of your, your busy schedule to share with us your incredible story and I think the power of faith and everything that we're going to talk about, it's, it's really going to, I think, be quite a delight for the audience. But can you just tell us a little bit about um, yourself and where you're from? For sure. Um, so I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts, and I currently live in Los Angeles. I moved here because of my modeling and acting career, and I did a lot of modeling um, in Boston amongst uh, just purely surviving because I grew up in the foster care system and um, modeling turned into acting and then acting led me to Los Angeles. I don't know how long you want me to keep the answers or how much you <laughs> want me to dive into those, but that's the gist. <laughs> Actually, you can dive in as much as you like because I think that's kind of the beauty of these type of interviews is that we just get to talk like we were sitting in a coffee shop sharing our story. So, um, I think, you know, if we go back to Boston when you were younger and, you know, there's hints of this that you discuss with other folks in your other interviews. Can you tell us a little bit about what your upbringing was like? And because I think that has a lot to um, who you are now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as I was, I was kind of sharing with you a little bit before um, we started recording, I, I, I always am very honest with, with my upbringing, what, it, what I went through, because I believe that sharing your um, your pain and your trials with other people that may be feeling shame with what they went through. And when somebody else shares it, um, they, they get free and they become um, a little bit more healed. So that's why I share my story. I don't share it for pity. I don't share it, definitely don't share it um, to shame anybody. And I just, I share it because I want to say, listen, this is what I've went through. This is what has helped me. And if these tools can help and inspire you guys, um, then I've done my job. And I believe that I believe that I, I went through certain things in life because of the person that God wanted to shape me into and to help others. Because otherwise, what's our purpose here? We're, mm -hmm. we're all connected and we need to help each other. So, um, so yeah, so I grew up in Boston and I was abused in all sorts of ways, and um, I, as I as I got older, I was not okay with that any longer, and I knew that it wasn't it wasn't right, and I I had had enough of it, and so I was working out a lot at this local gym, and I think it was a a source of safety a source of not going down the wrong path to becoming a drug addict or a prostitute or dealing with the pain and the anger in negative ways. I think I instinctually knew that this was a healthy way for me to deal with what I was going through. And, um, and I was, so I would work out, uh, you know, pretty much all day long, like 10 hours a day. My body was incredible. <laughs> and it still is now that I'm vegan. <laughs> but I would, and I was like 12 or 13 too. So like, like I was in really good shape just because I was like working off my emotions. Not only like was I physically in a healthy state, like my, I needed my emotions to be in a healthy state. So then my body just was strong. <laughs> so, 
So the owner of the gym started asking me questions and her name was Kathy DeMarco. And she started asking me a lot of questions like, why are you not in school? And why are you working out 10 hours a day? Your parents aren't coming to pick you up. Like what is going on? So I confided in her and I told her the truth. And she really took me under her wing and she gave me a free membership to the gym so I could go there and feel safe and really walk towards a healthy lifestyle. And um, she would, she would take me out to eat. She would buy food for me. She would um, put clothes on my back. I remember she bought me a coat and she was like, your coat has to cover your butt. I am not buying you a stylish coat. The coat has to cover your butt. Cause we were in Boston. So it was freezing all the time in the winters. <laughs> um, so anyway, so um, as I started um, fighting back at home because I would go to the gym and I would want to be physically and emotionally so strong to be able to, to fight back. And and so I did that. I did just that. And, and I, was, I was trying to deal with what was being done to me in the healthiest way that I knew possible. Because there was, like I was saying earlier, there, there was nobody telling me that, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you express these emotions. This is how you express your rage for the injustice that's being done to you on a daily basis. I didn't know that. So I had to teach myself and I had to figure it out myself. And so, yeah, things were messy and things were, were hectic and toxic and abusive. And, um, it was, it was a, it was a bad environment that I needed to get out of. So there was, there was, um, something that was called a chins taken out on me called a child in need of service. And, um, I, you get assigned a probation officer when you get a chins taken out of you. And my, my probation officer really liked me because I was, during this, all of this time, I was getting straight A's in school and I was going to one of the best schools in the city of Boston. And Boston is like known for its schools. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so if I, it, I just think back, I'm like, you know, if I had a calm environment where like, how different would my life, but, but I, I love, I'm so thankful for my life now. I'm so thankful for the journey. And it's really, it's really made me more empathetic and, and, and shaped my life in such a special way that I don't, even though I think about those things, the different paths that, that life could have taken, I don't want them. I, I'm so in love with life now and hard times definitely contributed to that. We don't want to go through them when they're happening, but they definitely refine us. And we're so thankful when we come out of them that we yeah. had to go through that because they, they do make us stronger. They do make us more empathetic. They do make us more aware. So um, they teach us a lot of things too. So anyway, long story short, I got this chins taken out on me. There was a, a crazy night that happened where um, I was being dragged around my, by my ankles and smashed into walls and doorways and being kicked in my face. And, um, and, it, and I, I had just had enough. And um, I think it was, it was either that night or it was a night very similar to that where I was arrested. And I mean, this was like common in my house. This is totally common. This was not like, oh, just one night it happened. It was, it was a lot of, of similar stuff like that. So 
um, I got arrested because I was paint, painted as the aggressor and for defending myself. And so I got arrested and I got put into a holding cell at the local police station. And my father had to come and bail me out. And he didn't really know a lot about the stuff, that, the abuse that was going on at, at home. Um, so anyway, so he came to bail me out and he um, got us a hotel that night because when you get arrested, you have to go to court the next day. And uh, my probation officer at court um, really stood up for me and defended me and said, Gianna is such a, an exemplary um, role model and, and, and young lady that through all of the stuff that she's been through, because I, I would tell her and I, she, she, she said to the judge, she just needs to get taken out of this environment. And, but the environment that I was going to be put in after being taken out of my home was foster care. And that is not a great environment either, mm-hmm. but it, it was, I mean, you can't physically abuse a child in foster care. You, you shouldn't be a foster parent. Um, I think that happens. I'm not sure, but um, I know that there's, there's foster parents that don't do it for the right reasons. I have never seen that personally, um, but I didn't know that. So I was very scared. I was very scared. And um, my dad was just unable to take care of me. He was struggling with his own problems at the time. And I think if he could have, he would have. So um, I don't, I don't hold anything against anybody and I never want to shame anybody because I, I genuinely forgive people that have hurt me and people are always going to hurt us in, in various ways and some more so than others, but we can't, we can't harp on it. You know, like it's just, it doesn't do us any good. So I, I, I don't ever want to shame anybody. Um, that's my point. So So I got put into foster care and I got um, bounced around from home to home and there were people that just wanted babies and I had to sleep in a baby bunk bed one night and um, spent the night nights at the the Department of Social Services and I remember Kathy would come in and she started the process to adopt me and um, she'd give me money and she would just make sure that I was fed, I was clothed and she really showed me a mother's love and she also showed me the father's love and she would take me to church so she took me to this little non-denominational church a lot and people in there um you know were raising their hands and, and praise and worship and, and I was like these people these people are nuts like I can't I remember thinking this I was like 13 or 14 at the time and I'm like I can't believe they believe these lies like this I felt bad for them and then I as I started going more and more and I was Catholic I was raised Catholics but I didn't really have a, a, a tight-knit relationship with God. I didn't understand God. I mean, who really does understand God, but we can through Jesus and we can through the Bible. And as I started hearing the word of God and hearing what who Jesus was and what he did for us and how much he loves us, and I struggled so much with feeling loved. I struggled so much with defining love and and understanding what that looks like. And when I heard about Jesus and when I saw who and what he has done for us and how much he's in love with us, it, it forever changed my life. It forever changed my life. And who knew that I would cry? I just love, I love God so much. (laughs) I love God so much. And and I just, I, I love sharing, I love sharing God with other people. And because it has changed my life, 
I wouldn't be alive today. I wouldn't be sane today. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would just wouldn't be here. And, or if I was here, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be me. So, so yeah, so I, I kept going and I, I, I gave my life to Christ and my career started after I gave my life to him. And he, and I really, you know, when you give your life to Christ, it, you all of a sudden just don't, everything's perfect. Like it's still a journey. You know, I still made mistakes. I still sinned. Like we're always, we're always sinning, but we try to do it less and less. <laughs> so, um, so Kat ended up passing away and this person who, you know, was loving me and showing me this, this love, but she, um, she left me with such, um, such a, a, a test, a testimony to her, to her life and who she was and what she lived for. And I hope to be a fraction, um, as pure and as light and as good as she was. And, um, and yeah, she, she saved my life in so many ways. Well, it sounds like she had that personal relationship right that we're all those of us who are christian like myself and you um that relationship with christ and the love the agape love right the um the undeserved love even though we're sinners um when you have that present in you you can love and forgive and you you have a peace, right? Because regardless of what you're going through, it's, you know, it's God's best laid plan for you. That personal relationship with God is, is um, so very tangible and important in your life. And um, I can say the same thing has gotten through me um, some very serious times. And um, I only have thankful, but it makes you, you know, the person that you are, that's beautiful and loving and forgiving. And someday should you choose to have children that, that love and that, you can honor Kathy's memory by being the best mom you can be. So that's beautiful. (laughs) So as far as um, when you were going through this process, because I mean, I, I see this as a young, a young woman, a young child, you know, entering into her teens. When did, how long did this evolution of understanding? Because I mean, coming from, a difficult background myself, it took me a long time to understand the value of forgiveness and how to actually um, express it to people who you still don't necessarily want in your presence. Um, How did you evolve into that person that you are now in that forgiveness? Because it isn't overnight, at least it wasn't for me. Um, How how did you evolve into that ability to forgive? put words to it. Um, I think, I think you just have to like take the leap of faith at first. And, um, God says, pray for our enemies. And I don't think like everybody's going to be our enemy, but people who, I think, I think under that umbrella is people who have hurt us. And, um, I start praying for them and I, I started, trying to understand where they were coming from. So I didn't take it personally. And I, and still to this day, like whenever somebody hurts me in some sort of way, I I really try to understand where they're coming from and what they're, what they're going through, what, what, 
darkness are they in or what frustration are they in or what did they have to endure that they're very needy in a certain area and I try my best to really understand where a human is coming from when they um treat anybody in a, in a negative way because I know that they're struggling with something so I think praying for them understanding where they're coming from what they've been through and then having empathy for them on a human level and really understanding that God is in control of my life now people who have abused me are not in control of my life I am free I'm safe I'm loved I'm cared for and I don't think I don't think I could have done that and come to those realizations and conclusions if I didn't really feel and know how much God loves me and protects me. When I think back of the stuff that, that I went through, even the stuff where I just didn't have guidance and I was just being a free wild child because of circumstances and, and environment, I'm, I'm like, God, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for protecting me through that. I mean, like scary, sickening times where he, where he protected me physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are the, those are the steps that, that really helped me forgive understanding prayer and knowing that God is in control and that I'm loved and I'm safe. I think that's a great um, bit of advice for maybe some people who are still going through some really tough times where they don't feel safe or they're struggling or feel hopeless and helpless, but they can always reach out to, to God. And, um, you know, creation just screams his presence. So he's always there. So that's, that's always a great reminder. That's why I love being outside and that's amazing. So, and it leads us to, um, your next phase. So tell us a little bit how you transition from, foster care and losing Kathy, who was such a great influence in your, your life, your young life. How did you deal with that loss? And that was hope, right? Um, and yeah. then move into acting and modeling or modeling then acting. Yeah. So, um, Kathy had passed away and she was, she was my rock. I mean, she had led me, she was taking care of me and she was trying to adopt me and she was that hope like, okay, I'm not going to have to sleep in these settings where I didn't know if I was going to be raped or have to get into fights. And there was one night I was, I was finally placed into a girl's home where a girl had a, um, a night, she got into a knife fight, I think it was. And she had a slice from her lip to her ear. And I was like, Oh man, this is, this stuff is going to go down. I mean, I'm going to have, this is going to get exhausting. I'm going to have to fight for my life every day. And I slept with my, my knife nearby, my phone under my pillow every single night. And because girls would always rotate in and out of the house, but that never happened. I never got into fights. And the girl with the, the slice, she became one of my, like my sister and she, like one of my best friends in the house, um, which was really cool in the irony of that. But anyway, um, so yeah, so my, my transition into modeling, I was walking with my dad. Now my dad and I have always been close. He just couldn't take care of me. Like, like I had, you know, said at the beginning, but we were always very close and he, he loved me and I felt his love and I felt that he and I had a very special bond and friendship and we've always been buddies. And even though we, um, he, he just couldn't give me a place to live. He, 
he gave me so much other things that helped me survive too. And I have to honor that. And he, so him and I would go out from time to time and we would walk around this place called Faneuil Hall in Boston. I've heard that more people walk through Faneuil Hall on a daily basis than Disney World. Um, oh. So that can just give you the, the idea of like the, vis the, the visual of what Faneuil Hall looks like. So we were walking around and, and I said, dad, I was in high school at this point and I was like, dad, I really want to model. And it just kind of like came to me. And, and this came to me after I was, after I gave my life to Christ and got saved. And I was like, I just feel this strong burning desire to do it. Like I, it's not even about like, oh, it's so glamorous. And I, like, I, I want to take pictures. It was so much more than that. It was really like this fire burning inside of me. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, but it's, I mean, it's so cool. It's so cool, the feeling. And um, so anyway, he was like, okay, well, let's get you a portfolio. And I was like, okay, how are we going to do this? <laughs> and he was like, totally on board. And I love it. I love the power of belief. Like people don't understand, like when you encourage somebody either with your words or with your actions or with belief in somehow, some, somehow, some way, Belief is so incredibly powerful and his belief breathes life into my calling and him just supporting me and saying that and totally being on board. It, it was really powerful and, and I, and I really thank him and honor him for that. So we called the New England School of Photography and I had looked for a bunch of different photographers and I found one that I really liked. And I contacted her and it was a thousand dollars to get my first portfolio started. And my dad gave me the money to do that. And we did it and we shot like 10 different looks. And I was just like, I, I had felt a high that I had never felt before. And it was, I, I knew that this was the road that God wanted me to walk down. I didn't know why I, I didn't really think that that much into it like why do you want me to do this I just knew I knew and and I was like this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life I'm going to do something in relating to this industry and um it was such a cool feeling so so I went around to different modeling agencies in Boston I would get rejected and your hair's too long you're too this you're too short you're not skinny enough you're not 5'11 and anorexic and I was like, I don't care. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I just like the nose kind of stung, but they didn't, I, I knew, I knew that I was going to be successful and I believed so much because of the knowing. And so, um, I just started getting work on my own because I loved it and I wanted to do it so much. And so I booked a campaign for French's mustard and with a lot of com like commercial modeling and, um, so this, and Frank's red hot sauce too. So I did that. I don't, I honestly, like I did this on my own. Like, obviously it was God, but like, I was like, wow, I did this on my own. I don't need an agency. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, my, a, a dear friend of mine who was a, another photographer that, that I became friends with, he was like, you know, you should go back to this agency. And I had already gone twice. Like you go and you drop your portfolio off and you leave it there for an hour and then you come back and they either say yes or no. And so they said no to me twice. And, I, and he was like, you should go back now because they told you if you, ha they, they had told me, um, cause I told them I just booked this national campaign and, 
And they were like, wow, you did that on your own? Well, contact us when it comes out. And it had come out and my friend, um, Oliver, his name is, he was like, you should go back to them and do what they suggested. And I was like, I'm not going back there. They've rejected me twice. And he was like, no, I really think you should go back there. And I was like, fine. <laughs> so I went back and they, they signed me and I eventually became one of their top booking models and, um, oh. and Reebok and New Balance and um, Ellie Saab and bridal companies and like, all sorts of, all sorts of fun photo shoots, Coca-Cola. And I mean, I wouldn't represent Coca-Cola now because of who I've become, but like it was in McDonald's. Like, I can't believe I actually did something for McDonald's, but um, <laughs> I just, I can't, like, I can't believe, I didn't know what I, what I know now. Um, but stuff like that has come up where, um, you know, commercial castings will come up with alcohol or meat and dairy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do that ethically. I, I I know now what I wish I knew all along, but unfortunately I didn't. Um, so I, I just can't support cruelty in, in any way. And you can't unsee and unlearn what you see and learn. So. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so um, I would go to, the, so I, I signed with the, with the modeling agency and um, they, the modeling agencies, when they would reject me, they would always say, you should act instead of model because of your height. And I was like, I'm not going to act. It, it, it became this like negative thing because I wanted to model. But then when I started modeling, I ironically fell in crazy love with acting. And my friends would be like, you know, you have, a, you have a serious gift. You can turn it on and off in front of the camera and you take on these different parts and you do it in such like an eloquent way. And, and I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, I guess. And then I started doing it more and more and just totally fell in love with it. And then, um, I knew that I would have to move to New York or LA from Boston and I had been to New York and I did not like it and very stressful for me there. And I felt always very unsafe when I would go there. I would like, I would take the Fung Wah bus. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Fung Wah bus, but the Fung Wah bus was like, I think it was like $20 for a round trip ticket. So I would go to New York. Fung, the Fung Wah bus like blew up at one point. Like it was a very cheap, scary, like I would, I hustled. <laughs> wow I was serious um, so <laughs> so then I, I knew I knew I wasn't gonna go to New York so I moved to LA I'd never been here and I guess the rest is history I mean it's a lot yeah. of work still a lot of work but yeah it's been an epic journey this far I would say well there's a few ways we can go to so do you want to go into the vegan journey or do you want to go into the acting journey and then pivot back to veganism? Yeah, let's do that. Let's, well, let's go, into, let's go into the vegan journey since we're, we're kind of on the subject and you are, this is a vegan podcast. Absolutely. So tell us how, how old were you when you decided to go vegan and how did that happen? Like what was the, the impetus? So I was 23 and I was really working hard to establish myself in Los Angeles in, in the acting community. And there are many things that you have to do to do that. And I, I am such a perfectionist in so many ways. Like I just want to be my best and I just want to do my best all the time. And so I have no regrets. And, and so I started breaking out a lot and I would always starve myself. I, I was bulimic and, um, I wouldn't say anorexic because I never looked anorexic, but I was restricting food a lot. And then I started to, to purge and that was a whole nother thing. Um, but so I was always very, I always wanted to be thin and I thought, okay, well you just have to eat less than um, what you're burning every day. And I would always put myself in a, in a caloric deficit every day. And 
I didn't, I was so hungry. Like food was always on my mind. And I think because I was starving, that's all my brain could think about. Like feed me, feed me, feed me. I'm trying to stay alive. And I would overwork out and I was just messing with my body a lot. So I was breaking out and I was, it was doing low carb at one point when I, I had stopped throwing up and then I, that, that's a whole another topic. Um, but I had, I had to go to the library cause I didn't, we didn't have like iPhones or I didn't have the internet. I was living in foster care at this point. And, and that was back, 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 back. Um, but I had gone to the library and I had to, to go through this myself and learn how to not do this and have a okay relationship with food. And I never really did until, um, I, so I started breaking out. I was on this low carb diet, crazy working out all day long. And, um, and yeah, so then it started affecting my work and I was like, I, I'm, I'm an actress, I'm a model. I can't, I can't be breaking out. <laughs> and it was, it was like hormonal acne. Like it was on my chin and my jawline a lot. And like these first, it started as like these little, um, like bumps and then it got like, like red. And I, I was like, this is, this is something not right. And I went to go see a dermatologist. The dermatologist put me on antibiotics for like a year and a half. Like looking back, I'm like, what did that do to my, my gut microbiome? Like, really you're just going to throw medication at me and not. And so I, I stayed up endless nights crying and calling my dad. I'm like, dad, I don't know what to do. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to work? My work is my joy and my life. I'm like, I just, it's my purpose. It's what God wants me to do. I feel so helpless. I don't know what the answers are. And I know that it's not antibiotics because it's not helping. Mm -hmm. So, so I watched, um, a lot of documentaries. I watched Forks Over Knives. I watched King Corn. I watched, I tried to watch Earthlings. Um, when I saw Earthlings, I had such an intense reaction. I couldn't get through 10 minutes. I was, I was shaking. I was screaming. I was crying. I, I called my dad. I was like, dad, I can't believe that this stuff happens to animals. I, I can't believe that we can't do anything about it. And I, I couldn't save them. And I, I think I had such a reaction because of what I had been through in life and abuse to any form of innocence. It, I, I, I can't, like, I'm so triggered by it. I can't deal with it. So um, as much as I tried to watch that, I tried a second time and I think I got through 20 minutes, but I just, I, I can't do it. So it really, really, really brings up some stuff that I, I, it's so painful for me to see that happen to them. Um, and it's not helpful. It's not helpful for me to see that because I'm doing, I know I'm doing a thousand percent to stop it. But it, I personally, I just can't. I tried and, and I can't. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I watched a bunch of documentaries. I found Freely the Banana Girl on, um, on YouTube and she, some people love her, some people hate her, but I really liked her because of her honesty and because of I saw visually her body at first and I'm like, wait, she's eating a lot, but she's eating a lot of certain foods. So I really dove into like, what is she, what foods is she eating? And so then I started, um, I also saw the documentary, um, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. So then I started juicing a lot until I found out that we should keep the fiber in our food. Um, 
So then I went raw for a little bit. And then it's, it's kind of like this journey of like finding out what is the right way to eat our food and to prepare our food. I'm still learning so much. Um, so now I eat what's called a whole food plant-based diet. And I eat, I do still eat a lot of raw organic food. Um, I try to eat hundred percent organic, but, um, sometimes I'll go to eat or it's very hard to go to eat and and not have oil in your food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so I do a lot of cooking and preparing um, my own food, but, but yeah, I saw that that diet and lifestyle had healed me from the inside out and, and made my skin better. And it also, it also connected me to other people and to God more. And mm-hmm. I think that when we become clean on the inside that we're able to connect on a level that was intended for us by God. And I don't fully understand the feeling, but I, I feel it. Um, and I, it would, you have a thought, tell me your thoughts. Yeah, I would say so because as a physician, um, it's interesting. So you go to, I'm a family practice doc. And so you go to these conferences and you're surrounded by colleagues. We all have the same objective of taking care of a patient, but the interaction is very different. <clears throat> then let's say when I go to the plantrition project, which is a plant-based conference and 1100 people there, um, it's like a family and there's true, um, joy of being with each other. And this, there's a transparency and, and you really bond with people because now you see this beautiful thing that comes from the work that people are involved in. And, but I agree with you. It's, um, you're less uh, likely to react. You're less triggered. You're less stressed. Um, cause you feel better. Um, I mean, everything gets better hundred percent, but it is, I know what you're talking about. There's a, there's a, a connection here now between individuals who don't want to harm others, yeah. be it, you know, beings and, um, you know, and I, and I would say that one other thing is that earthlings wasn't made for people like you. It was made for those who have yet to make that transition or that journey. So it's okay, I think, because I, I, I struggle to watch it. I put it in front of my kids who were teenagers at the time, and it was important for them to connect with that too, because they were young, but I agree. But yeah, please go ahead. I, I totally agree with you. It's that connection. Mm. So yeah, so then, um, I mean, that's the gist. I, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I know it's a podcast, so we're supposed to do that. <laughs> you're the guest. You're supposed to talk a lot. <laughs> I would have it no other way. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a journey, and I and I I grow my own food now, and I have some fruit awesome. trees that are producing fruit, and it's all veganic soil, and I didn't want any. I mean, I'm sure that like a bird poops and bird lands in the soil, but like or like a little squirrel runs by and he poops and bees, but but I do not put any animal products in there and I use veganic soil and they were all raised veganically. And it's, I I can taste the difference. Um, It's like, it's like organic food, but the next level. (laughs) It's exciting. I mean, I still go to the grocery store because I I have a limited amount of space out there, but, um, but every season I'll grow like chard or kale or broccoli or peppers and dandelion greens are my favorite. Mm. Um, and I can taste the difference. It's, it's fun. It's fun doing that. Absolutely. So let's stay a little bit on your vegan track here. And so a couple of things, first of all, please tell us about the love of your life. And he's also vegan and (laughs) that's the next, that's the next hour of the podcast, but no. (laughs) 
I love them so much. Okay, where do I start? Oh um, my goodness, you two are so adorable. <laughs> I can't even tell you. <laughs> prayed and prayed and prayed for years to God. I'm like, God, please, please, please. I'm ready now. I'm ready. Um, but I always trusted his timing and I waited and I waited patiently. And I would always, I would always feel like just because of the desire to be with somebody and to be married and to love somebody and to want to be with the person that's truly right for me. I know by the pure fact that he gave me that desire, he's going to come through because if he didn't want me to be with anybody, I wouldn't have that desire. And because I know it comes from a pure place. Mm -hmm. So, so I waited and I waited for a long time. And, um, Every time, you know, you date somebody, you're like, could this be, could this be the one? <laughs> but then you find out, okay, that's not, they're not right. Or it's something like this or something that's, that's off in this area. And I mean, no human is perfect, but I believe that there is a perfect person for everybody. And whether you want to call it a twin flame, a soulmate, or your, your God divine partner, um, he is that for me. And hmm. when we met each other, so I had, so I, I have this um, series called Love Gianna and I interview physicians and um, Dr. Angie Sadeghi, she's a gastroenterologist and she, um, we, we had her on the show and we became really good friends. So she, her birthday was coming up and she was like, Gianna, I, 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 um, I have this, this person that I want you to meet. His name is Ron. And, and I was like, oh, okay, Angie. Okay. And she was like, no, he's perfect for you. And I was like, all right. And I didn't really put too much stock into it. I was just like, well, I need to meet him because I need so she showed me a picture of him and I was like, okay, well, he's cute. And she was like, you don't need, you don't understand. He doesn't drink alcohol. He doesn't drink coffee. He doesn't eat oil. Like he is you, but in a male body. And I was like, well, that's very interesting, but I still want to meet him. <laughs> he's a Christian. He loves Jesus. And I'm like, oh boy, it sounds like he's perfect for me, but I still didn't want to get my hopes up. Cause I just, I just didn't want to be hurt. And so anyway, her birthday rolls around and we all spend, um, a lot of time together. We went salsa dancing and we spent like a week. He was, he would, so he, he's in the military, he's in the coast guard and he's stationed in Pensacola, Florida. So he was only visiting for a week. So Angie and a couple of other, um, friends and Ronnie and I all really spent a lot of quality time together. We went to Gym, we had dinner. Um, they came over. We watched a movie. I did an aerial performance for them, and we just spent. We we went on hikes and we went for bike rides, and we all kind of spent this very special, blessed time together. And we were all telling each other on a group text, like we would we die for each other. We loved each other. Like we were totally in love with each other as friends, and we all felt it. It was that magical. You can't create it. Spark. And so we had all kind of spent one-on-one -on -one time with each other, except Ronnie and I. And Ronnie and I um, had text, and we were going to go to a Bible study together. But instead, he went to go see, um, what's that movie about the, the woman's son who falls into the lake, and he freezes, and he dies, and then uh, he's in a coma. Something in Seeing Heaven. Uh, I, I, don't, I know what you're talking about. I don't recall the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he went to go see that movie with mm -hmm. Angie. And I didn't know this, but Angie started um, tearing up. And I think she 
felt the Holy Spirit for the first time. And um, she, or maybe not the first time, but she definitely felt the Holy Spirit because she was, she was tearing up. And she said to him that, um, I believe that God is, is using me to bring you and Gianna together. And so well, my dogs are going to bark because somebody's calling. Um, that's Charlie and Jazzy. <laughs> it's all right. It's all good. <laughs> so, so anyway, so he, he, I didn't know this had happened and apparently he couldn't really sleep that night and it was really on his heart. And he was coming over here the following day because we had text and we were going to go for a hike. So he comes over and he, and I go down and I answer the door and he has red roses. And I was like, Oh boy, because <laughs> we're just friends at this point. And I was like, oh, they're red. <laughs> He's not just bringing me flowers just to be nice, they're red. And so I kind of gave him like a side hug and I was sweating and I was like, this is, this is really nerve wracking. And we were alone for the first time. So then he, he, we go upstairs and I'm filling up water bottles for us to go on this hike. And I walk by and he grabs my wrist. And Ronnie is a very strong man. I mean, he, he was in the Marines for eight years and he served our country. He's been to war. He's a very strong human being. And he was so nervous. He was shaking and he grabbed my wrist instead of my hands. Like he just, he needed to like get out what, what, what he was about to say. So I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? What, what are you doing? I was like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> so he was like, said something along the lines of like, I know that you are going to be my wife. I know I'm going to marry you. And um, I had to get this off my chest. I couldn't go back to Florida and not have said this to you in person. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, the courage that this man has to say that to somebody when he has no idea how I'm going to react. And it's your first time alone? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He was like, he was like, I know by the intensity of what I'm feeling, I know you must be feeling something too. Mm. So I was in shock. I was in pure shock. And I was like, I, I need a minute. Like, I just, I need a minute. I think I walked away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I dropped down. I slowly <laughs> <holding> my wrist. <laughs> it's like, and I need to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, I, yes, I feel something too. And I, and I was talking to a good friend of mine about you because you are literally everything I've prayed for, but I didn't think, cause he didn't flirt with me. He, we didn't, he was such a gentleman and we were just friends and I kind of had written it off like, oh, he's, we're just going to be, we're just going to be buddies and it's not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. And I was kind of disappointed because I, I had never met somebody so Per perfect for me and exactly what I was looking for and in almost every single area. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, we need to go on, on this hike. Let's just walk and talk about this. And I need to, I need to process this. And because it's a lot of, it's a lot. <laughs> and, um, and we hiked and we talked about everything and we shared our past. And, and, and I was like, I, I need to, I need to go at my own pace because I need to trust this. I need things to be stable. Like I haven't, I haven't had a lot of stability in my life and I, I just, I, I trust you and I trust, I trust this, but I, like, I need, I need to process this because it was so big and so heavy and it was, 
uh, it was a, it was miraculous and it was such a big pray, prayer answered that I just needed like to think about it and breathe and to sit with it. So um, we, we came back to, to my house and we were just talking and we were like dancing and it was like this, we had, we had kissed and we had told each other we loved each other and it was just like this beautiful, it was a beautiful coming together of mm. souls that are meant for each other. And I still can't get over it. Um, I, I, we've, we've, all, we've been together for almost six months and I feel like, I feel like some people are like, yeah, it's, it's going too fast. And I don't think that we're, we're moving faster or slower than what's natural. It would be forced any other way than the timing that, that took place. And we just want to be free and we want to serve God and honor God with our love and um, with our connection and in his blessing of finally bringing us together. And I, I still get down on my knees and I, and I thank him and I, I'll do that for the rest of my life because, because I, I'm so thankful and I know what it's like to live without him. And now I know what it's like to live with him and to have his love. And I'm, I will forever be thankful. So that's our love story. It's a fairy tale, but how did that end? Um, what do you mean? Oh, so we're, he, then he proposed. And then we're married. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this is this, how, how long have you been married now? Has it been two weeks or um, 10 days? It, um, what so day? What? So what's today? What's the 4th of October. What, what day September did you get married? 12th. September 12th? Yeah. Uh, excellent. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's, you know, it's um, what a, a cool story to share with people and, you know, actually it's the power of divine prayer, right? And, and just the interaction when you bring, allow God to intercede in your life and let him bring the blessings to you instead of always trying to do it on your own. Yeah. And that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Um, I think, yeah. I think that, that it's definitely, God does bring you um, miracles and answers prayers. And I think that it's, Sometimes I think, okay, yeah, well, I have to do, do this, this, and this, and this. And sometimes, sometimes we, we can do as much as we can do. And then we do really have to sit back and be like, okay, God, I did everything. And I know this is a relationship. So it's me and you, and I can't do everything on my own. You can't, I mean, he's capable of doing everything too, but he, it's a relationship. So it really requires trust, work, what do I do? questioning things, getting answers, putting those into practice and really seeing what you have asked for happen or better in some, some instances. So. Absolutely. And those are the best ones. I think when you're unsurprised, like you're surprised about, wow, what was that? <laughs> you know, and thank God it didn't go that way because now I see that this is better than that, than what I may have wanted then like your relationships or certain jobs or whatever, whatever you, you may want at, at a certain point, sometimes God will give that to you and that's amazing. And then sometimes he'll give us better and be like, wow, thank God that that didn't work out. Thank God that friendship or relationship didn't work out. Cause then I wouldn't have had this. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. No. Um, but the night I met my husband, he had written in his journal that he was going to marry me and we did. Although at first I was like, I wasn't too sure, but 
turn but uh but that's the beautiful part too <laughs> Yeah, but it was uh, it's two and a half years later we got married, and you know the the other thing is you know your desire to do the modeling, right? So that's another influence in that desire. I mean, I was ten um, when I decided I want to be a doc because I saw my sister get very well after a doctor um, did surgery on her, and seeing the power of going into this thing called a hospital and seeing someone turn a very sickly child into someone who was turned into a real pain, you know, lively and um, and it did a good job of playing little sister. Um, those are the things that God allows us to see too. Cause sometimes we, don't you think that we see there's things always right in front of us, but when the time's ready and we open our eyes, we're like, Whoa, it's there the whole time. Yes, like, for sure. For sure. Oh. Those are cool moments. Very those cool. are very cool. So I want to leave lovely Ronnie for the moment. And he's in Florida still, right? He is in Connecticut right now. So oh. he's on the, this boat called the Eagle. So it's the only actual full sailboat with like sails and stuff in the Coast Guard. Oh, wow. So that was a pretty special experience for him. But um, yeah, he's in Connecticut right now. Cool. Wow. Yeah. But just so far away. Oh. Um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your journey into acting. Like what was your first acting role? Because that, that must have been, I mean, besides commercials, but like you're a full on movie yes um it was a film called cruelty and it was a horror film oh and i know <laughs> i know um i was 18 and and i i played one of the lead characters that um so funny the film that not ever never, it got made but it never got edited so it's that we've only we only have a trailer from it um so maybe one day it will get made, but, but anyway, yeah, I, I played this like snooty high school cheerleader that, um, traumatizes this young kid and he comes back and he kills us all. <laughs> so it was all right. a length film. It was actually done fairly well. I, 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 it's sad that it never got edited, but, um, or completed, but maybe one day it will. Absolutely. And as I mentioned too, Angie is a good friend of mine too. So I totally can see her little spark bringing two people together. Yeah. I'm actually interviewing her in a few weeks. So I'm excited oh. for the second time. Yeah. We're going to talk about SIBO. That's a whole, okay. such yeah. an important topic. Oh, yes. goodness. But so then what was next? Like, how did you, cause you've done a lot of Christian films, which I adore and some other stuff too, like mother's day, which was actually hilarious. I watched it and ready, getting ready for your interview. <laughs> it was a really funny movie and um, it was good, but tell us a little bit about what your favorite genre is and how you prepare. What do you, what is, what is the world of acting like for those of us who've never done that? Yeah, it's, it's, there's no rules. You, you, you're like, what do I, you know how like you go to, you go to school and then you get certain degrees and then you go to re residency and then you move on, you kind of work your way up the ladder. Like there are set, like, this is what you do and you put your mm -hmm. time in and you try to be your best and get great grades and get a, a, a great job at a, a lovely hospital and, and you, you, there's rules. There's no rules in the entertainment industry. It's not like you have to do this, 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 and this, and then you'll make it. Like there's no set of rules. It's a free for all. It's the wild, wild west, and and it's it's. I think the the one thing that every successful actor has in common is that they just never gave up. There's mm. no other magic potion that like somebody does this 
and then this happens. I think it's just staying with it, knowing who you are, not sacrificing or compromising um, who you are, and and then things just kind of fall into place when it's when it's truly meant to be, and you just stay in there, and opportunities come, and you you are ready and you take them and you do your best and then they take you to another step up the ladder and they take you to another place. And I just, I doing this type of work has, is such a, is such a, a lesson of faith in, in life because you really, I mean, there have been times where at the beginning of my career, I did not know how I was going to pay rent and God would always provide and I, I started tithing. Like as soon as I got my first modeling job, I knew that it was such a gift and it was my calling that, so tithing is for people who, who may not know, you give 10% of your income to um, a good cause or you give it back to God. And so I started doing that just to like, sometimes it would even be like a dollar or $10 or $50. Um, but I knew, I knew I had to do it and I wanted to do it because I wanted to say thank you to God. And I knew that, I know that he wants us to love others with what we've been blessed with. And I learned that, I learned that very quickly and he's always taken care of me. He's always provided. He's, I've never gone hungry in, in this career. Um, I've always paid my rent. I've never gone into debt and, and I've, I see that how much he he is with me and um, through it all. And so it, it this this purposeful life and career has really brought me closer to him too, um, mm -hmm. which is cool. So yeah, the 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 movies that I've been a part of, um, it's a lot of knowing people. It's a lot of like being friends and getting getting in the genres that you like. I love faith-based movies. The, the movies that I love to watch are the movies that I love to act in. I love dramas. I love love stories. I love Christian, like really cool Christian films that are so inspirational. I love feeling like a million bucks when I walk out of a movie theater. I love thinking about things. I love thrillers. I love mysteries and like very um, intelligent films and like oh, whoa, I did not see that coming. The writing was brilliant. Or even like, like one of my favorite shows is, is This Is Us. And I just think that the writing is so brilliant. It's, do, you, do you know the show? I do. It is. It's really, um, it's like, wow. Yeah, I love, I love, we could be movie buddies. Like I love going to movies and just seeing like you exit, like you said, and just like it, it makes you think. You wake up and you're like, I dreamt about it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And movies have always really impacted me and shaped who I am. And I think movies do that. And it's such an honor to be part of an industry that can really shape who a person is and, and help them escape maybe what they're going through or just for a moment in time or inspire them to um, be better in, in some, some sort of way or think deeper about a, a certain topic. So those are, yeah. and I love action. I love like, I think, like putting my aerial skills into oh. like films would be so much fun. Um, I've, I've talked to, to a few people about, about a, a film like that, but um, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But um, I'm working on an action film now. So I'm learning how to sword fight. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. 
it's such a fun, it's, it's hard and it's scary sometimes because um, of how much it is. And like, you don't just like, I don't have a nine to five job. Not that I, not that I want one, but there's a lot of like, you have to think things through and save money and you never know. And like even Hillary Swank, like I find it so refreshing when um, people that I look up to talk about how unsteady of a career it is because she's like, yeah, you just never know when you're going to get your next job. You just, you just don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I, I don't even think Angelina Jolie knows when she's going to get her next job. I'm sure anybody would hire her, but who's, who's to say that she, she'll like the script or she'll want to do it. And um, the, the rate is right. I don't, you know what I mean? Like you just never know when, when an opportunity, the right opportunity is going to present itself. So. Speaking of shaping. So her name, she was Laura Tombrider, right? Yes. Or Tombrider? The yes. Tomb Raider, such an incredible, like, um, independent spirited, yeah. but individual, which is really cool because, you know, it's fun to see strong women like Wonder Woman, those type of yeah. action genres really take hold. And yeah, that's really cool. But I want to talk to you about, um, you know, Unbroken and yeah. the path to redemption which is about Louis Zamperini. You played his sister. Can you tell us a little bit about that for those who may not be familiar with, I mean, this is a true story, the incredible human that he was. So speaking of Angelina Jolie, she directed the first one mm-hmm. and it really was about him um, going to war and surviving 47 days on a raft without food or water and what that was like. There were three of them that they, they survived a plane crash and three of them went uh I think the whole plane went down, but only three of them survived on this raft. And there were two rafts, got down to one, and then there were three people, one passed away, and then there, there were two. And so they got very, very, very um, skinny, obviously, because they were starving. And they had people shooting at them at one point, and sharks, and the raft deflating. I mean, it was, it's the, like, the ultimate story of survival that I've ever heard. And then after all of that, those 47 days, then he becomes a prisoner of war and gets brutally beaten because this, this um, the bird. prisoner of war guard is called the bird. Mm-hmm. And he hated Louis for some reason. And I think he found out that Louis was an Olympic runner and then was just jealous from, from the fire in Louis's soul. I think he just felt it. And he just became so hateful towards Louis and he beat him the worst out of any prisoner that was in this camp and it deeply affected Louis and then so the movie that I was in was the second one and it's about Louis's homecoming and him dealing with PTSD from the war from surviving on the raft and then being um, brutally abused by this by this human being and and I played his sister and he and it shows the struggles um, of how how does one deal with that how how do you deal with that deal with that there's no there's no system in place that really had or was in place that that could help people you just kind of come back and good luck peace out and you we can't expect human beings to just figure it out for themselves i mean there there people human beings that have been through a lot of trauma in their lives they need extra love care and attention you just do. And so um, Louis got married and he fell in love and he fell in love and then got married. 
And, and then his marriage was um, in shambles because he started drinking a lot and that was his escapism. And that was his way um, out of the thoughts and the nightmares and dealing with reliving what he went through. And um, poor guy, I mean, that's, that's awful. That's awful for anybody to go through and he just needed help. And so, and he needed Jesus. So his wife was a Christian and his wife took him to um, Billy Graham's tent revival and they lived in California. They lived like near Los Angeles. And so he got saved and him and Billy Graham actually became good friends. And then after he got saved, he discovered what forgiveness was and the power of forgiveness. And he forgave the bird and never had another nightmare again. And there's interviews where he'll, he'll tell people this. And it's, I mean, I understand that. I understand that, especially dealing with traumatic times and the power of forgiveness and the healing power of Jesus and accepting Jesus Amazing. Um, in us. Yeah. Because I, I think it's really key if people would watch that because they did, you know, I've, I've seen both. And I think the first one, you almost, you have to be prepared. So I was in the Air Force. And um, so when I got you know, sent overseas for extended periods of time away from my kids and my husband, you know, coming home <clears throat> and having to deal as a physician with those with PTSD, I, I have an intimate um, relationship with that with folks. And what's interesting is that I remember, you know, I'm coming in and I'm landing and I have to go through customs and I know my family's on the other side of this hallway and I'm dying to see them. I hadn't seen them in months and I miss holidays and birthdays and my little Jonathan, who's 23 now, but back then, um, so this was over 10 years ago, and he had these little glasses on. He peeked around the corner. I have no idea how he got by them. But when he just did that, he, I just burst into tears, and um, that was all over. Just let it all out, and here I am, these poor customs agents. <laughs> but I can't watch those videos anymore. I can't watch, you know, returning soldiers and their loved ones because I love them, but I'll just be a blubbering mess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think someone who wants to watch the first one, if they have any trauma, they have to be very careful and be prepared because it was really hard for me. I mean, I didn't see or experience the trauma that soldiers did, but to see their, um, that, that type of brutality was even hard for me. And, and it, I'm sure for many, and it does affect you. But then the second one, however, they do give enough flashbacks. So you get a, a hint of what was going on. What an incredible wife too, to stand by someone who would be hard to understand back in those days, right? To the PTSD. But did, how did you feel when you were acting and you see these in person, right? You're, were you also on set when they were doing uh, the, the different, like, you know, Louis drunk and he's talking. I mean, it was so incredibly well done. Yeah, it, they did a great job with, with that movie. Um, I, yeah, for sure. And I, I became good friends with Sam Hunt, who played Louis. And, and I, was, I was in some scenes where, where he um, got mad and, and couldn't hear. I wanted to put a, a record on to um, remind him that this is how, like, I, in, in my character's mind, it was, this is fun. This is this is a memory, this, is, this was a hopeful time in our lives to, to hear this, this recording. And Louis got a flashback and he couldn't deal with hearing that and having to deal with that over again. So he smashed the record and there was um, violence, but I didn't, 
I mean, it was, it, it was a, it was a job for me is, is it wasn't, um, I mean, when you're on set, you have to do like five to 10 takes sometimes and mm -hmm. you sometimes do more. So it's, you really, it's an art form for sure. It's not like a theater production where you have to like, just be there in the moment and you get to do it once. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you do it over and over and over and over again. So you don't really, um, it doesn't surprise you. You may have to act surprised, <laughs> but it wasn't like triggering for me or anything like that. And it wasn't like, like seeing the movie, like you, you see the movie all in together. The, the correct timeline and all, yeah, all edited together. And we just work on several different parts of it. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's sad. And it's a story that needed to be told because it, his forgiveness is beautiful, but yeah, being on set during, during those scenes, it wasn't, um, it wasn't difficult or anything. It was, it was fun. So it must've been interesting. So how did he, like, how did he prepare for, do you know, those type of um, characters? I mean, that would be very, I think personally, I think it'd be hard to connect to something like that unless you've experienced it. Do you have any idea or how would you prepare for something like that? That's so outside of your normal, although you've lived a life of experiences to draw from, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I, I always tell people who are either casting or directing or um, even have a script that is, is like heavy drama. I'm like, this is for me because I've been through a lot. So whether I've been through this specific moment, I can show the audience what it's like to go through that umbrella of pain. And I can just pull something from back in the day that, that I that I've gone through and, and show people what needs to be shown through that person's life, whether it's exactly what I've been through or something very similar. And with Sam, I, I, I know that he ran a lot to prepare for the role because Louie was a runner. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what else. We never really talked about what else he, he prepared for specifically for that role or mentally or, wow. or what, what other things he did, but yeah, I know that he definitely did a lot of running. Well, yes, a lot of running for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, that is really amazing. And then when you speak about, I mean, the forgiveness aspect of that, I think that's where you and the story of this, that relationship of the forgiveness, because it is, it is very pronounced. And then you also, and I want to bring out, he actually had a foundation or a, where he's working with juveniles, but you also have the Gianna Foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Gianna Small Foundation. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So tell me about that. What is that about? And can we get help or how do we get involved? Yeah, so it's it's a 501c3. It's a nonprofit and it's managed by the National Christian Foundation. And it's really just, um, it started because because of my, my tithing and my giving. And I, I had somebody come into my life who, who really helped me um, you know, just, just guide me to the next steps, even with career, with, with helping, with, um, with helping others, with, with really creating things that, uh, creating a structure that was, that was going to be successful. And, um, so we created this foundation and it's basically, 
so we, we do several things. It started because I was, I was helping a friend send 10 girls to university in Rwanda that had survived the genocide. And they literally saw their families get hacked to pieces in front of them. And this country, we, we actually got to visit Rwanda. And this country is so full of forgiveness in Christ. It's, it's so powerful and so peaceful to be there. And so um, we, we sent these, it's only $800 a year to go to university in Rwanda, which is drastically different than the States. <laughs> so, yeah. so we were putting 10, 10 girls through school. And then in addition to that, I, my heart um, is definitely with foster youth because of my personal experiences and seeing others in the foster care system and how desperate every single one of those boys and girls are for love and for direction and for guidance. And so I, I, I've always wanted to be a foster parent and God willing, I, I will be that one day. And um, I, I thought, well, until I'm ready to do that in my life, I want to work with foster youth. So, and then another um, place where my heart is and what we do with the, with the foundation is we, we serve animals and we, we make sure that they're protected and loved as well. So I thought, and this idea kind of came to me one day and I was like, well, I have this love for foster youth and animals in addition to these these youth that we're putting through school in Rwanda. So how can I bridge the connection of foster youth and animals? And I thought, oh my goodness, why don't I take the foster youth from this place that I mentor at? And it's, um, it's kind of like one step before prison. It, it used to be called a level 12 facility, but apparently it's not called that anymore. And it's, it's called Maryvale and it's in, um, it's probably like 30 minutes outside of LA. And so I was mentoring there. And then I thought, why don't I reach out to their, their directors and see if the, the youth want to go to farm sanctuaries? Because I was a foster kid, and I know that my experiences may not have been the exact same as them. They, they're very similar. And animals are so healing. And healing in so many ways. I, a friend of mine um, was just telling me that he used courses to um, deal, cope with his PTSD. And animals are just pure love. And so I thought, why don't I support these farm sanctuaries? Why don't I help these foster youth to just have a fun day and a, and a fun field trip and to just be loved on? And like they can get a gift from the gift shop at these farm sanctuaries and we give back financially to the farm sanctuaries. And then we have these animals that were rescued from slaughterhouses or fallen off the trucks or literally ran away from the trucks or jumped off the trucks onto the side of the highway because they know that they're going to die and they get rescued. And so why don't we build trust and healing in the animals as well as building trust and healing in the children and unite those two so they can help each other. And so that's pretty much what, what we do and, and what we focus on right now is the, the animals and the kids. Gianna, you're just beautiful inside oh. out. I mean, I, I just, I, it's no. so refreshing to see people who are young and living life Christ-like and you really are evidence of that. And I think you'll be a magnet for many, many people. And, um, you know, I, I think that's such a beautiful connection how you're bringing both of those together and, God's allowed you to do that. My, my Jonathan, I keep going back to Jonathan. Um, but, uh, he had severe dyslexia growing up and part of our, um, training was hippotherapy. 
So he got to ride horses like when he was, I don't know, eight or nine. And it helped with coordination and underwearing awareness, self-awareness. And now he's actually volunteering at a horse sanctuary here in Colorado. And it's kind of fun to see that full circle effect. You know, they provided for him and now he's providing for them. And it's, 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 it's people like you that are just continue to inspire me to keep moving forward. So um, I think that's amazing. So you've gone through trauma, you found your dream, you're happily married, and now you're giving back. So I can't imagine how more full your life could be, but I'm sure it will be. (laughs) It's incredible. Um, So what would you say would be, um, you know, for someone who's really looking for a mentor, which I think you would be an amazing mentor for young people, what would be your advice to someone who's really struggling and not knowing where to go with their life? Because nowadays it's, you know, honestly, it's hard to express the love of Christ and not be shunned, especially sometimes in vegan circles. Um, mm-hmm. So this is personal experience and you still do it without fear or you know trepidation, but um, it can be frustrating because that's just, I just see, like you said, the love. It's the yeah. love that draws you. What would you, what would you give advice to someone who's looking and searching? For, for what, like um, social just, or- Yeah, or just the ability to, like they're really struggling and they don't know where to go. Because I know it seems to me like, especially now we're so disconnected, families are broken up, we're moving further away. They're just people are wandering and they're searching for maybe it's relationships or acceptance. But I know that at least like you have said, you've grown into owning and loving yourself first and that allowed you to, to, to give love. Mm-hmm. And at least that's been my experience. Um, what would you say to someone who's just searching young, maybe they don't feel connected and they're just, there's a lot of that loneliness. Maybe that's the key that I'm looking mm-hmm. for the word. Yeah. Um, it's normal. First of all, no judgment. And it's okay to be searching. It's okay to be lost. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to cry. It's okay to get angry. It's okay to be lost. It's all right. It's normal. It's part of being a human. And God loves you. And God wants amazing things for you. My favorite verse is Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says God. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you prosper you and to not harm you. Clearly God loves us to give us a hope and a future. So um, I constantly remind myself that God is not mad at us. He's madly in love with us. And we're all trying to figure out this human experience. And I think getting involved with um, things that brighten up our souls, brighten up our lives, some sort of physical exercise, even if it's just walking or getting some sun or connecting with another human or an animal, just connection. We're relational beings. We're not meant to live this life alone. And I think that it's important that we connect with like-minded individuals because then we're just going to be arguing with people all the time. I think it's great to like have those arguments once in a while, but I think that can cause a lot of stress and disconnect. And I think that we need to feel deeply seen and heard to feel connected. And I think that happens in circles where you share a lot of commonality with people. And I think that's very important to, um, to finding ourselves, to finding love, to feeling like we fit in, to feeling like we have our tribes, to feeling like we have our people. And 
and that we're seen and that we're heard and that we're loved ultimately because that's our deepest desire is to connect with our creator connect with each other and to feel loved that's, that's what we need. So I think there's I think there's different steps that we can take to do that in a healthy way and to not continue the confusion, but to come to a an awakening and to a realization that wow, this feels so good. And it doesn't and go easy on yourself. Like it, it might take 10 years to find out. It might take a lot of volunteering. It might take a lot of sleepless nights and crying over things and thinking things and feeling frustrated and arguments and arguments with yourself and, and confusion. It might take that, but it's okay. And with God's guidance, he will always make sure that we're going to be okay. He'll never steer us in the wrong direction and you can never go wrong with God. Never. So I guess that would be some of my I think that's excellent advice. One is, you know, because people do feel unseen, but God always sees you wherever you are. So that is 100%. And I know we've gone a long time, but I just have to ask one more question. Can you just tell me a little bit about how you got into being an aerialist? Because you guys have got to see that I'll put some links of your videos. I mean, <laughs> the strength and grace to grab onto these ribbons or cloths and do yeah. what you do please tell me <laughs> how do you do that <laughs> so I, i've been doing it for i think eight or nine years now and i saw it in a in a live show and i had done a little bit of gymnastics and like yoga and I, like i always worked out because it was my therapy and acting became my therapy too but however, that when, when I was younger and I wasn't acting, I needed that, like I was saying before, I needed that like physical movement for, for like a release. So mm. it's definitely an artistic expression and a form of therapy for sure. Mm. Um, and when I saw this, this, this live show in Los Angeles, a friend of mine took me many years ago and um, I can't believe it's been nine years since I moved to Los Angeles, but um, he nevertheless he took me to the show and I saw it and I was like I need to be in this show <laughs> I had no like I took an aerial yoga class like I had no, they make it look so easy and so I went up to somebody who was the owner of the theater that the show was in and I still had like the feeling in my gut like this is not the person that you need to talk to you need to talk to somebody else and it just wasn't going away it was very nice but then I talked to the, the, um, one of the aerialists that performed in the show and apparently he was the aerial coordinator. And I was like, yep, this is the person that you need to talk to. He was like, come in for an audition. And I was like, oh, wow, that happened faster than I thought. So, <laughs> so I, I was like, man, I need some private lessons before I go in for this audition. I went in for lessons. It was, I was like, there's no way I'm auditioning for this show. Like, I'm so not ready to audition for this show. There's going to be like years need to go by of me training like every day to be ready to audition for this show. So um, I think a couple of years later, they had invited me again to audition. And I went to, I went to the audition, but I, I wasn't at a level to where I felt confident enough to perform. I was, I was full blown acting. Like I, I did not, I didn't have the time to be in the show, but I still wanted to honor that and, and go there and, see where it led and just, just, I don't know, like be around other aerialists and be around something that I loved so much. So yeah, so that's how it started. And I, I just felt a strong connection to it. And I think maybe it was just to, to guide me to doing it. And I just, I love it so much. And it, it took a long time to even, and I'm still learning a lot. And um, I, I work with really amazing instructors that 
teach me how to incorporate dance into the movements and make them look beautiful and graceful and not like it's as hard as it really is. <laughs> is this in your house, the videos? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how do you get, I mean, you just work your way up by wrapping and pulling and yeah, you climb up there and there's, there's certain techniques where you, it's not a hundred percent of your arms. It's maybe 70% and 20% feet, but then you have to hold yourself up there at certain point. You either have to dead hang or engage and not fall 25 feet and survive. <laughs> but you, you don't go up that high at first. Like you do things low to the ground and I do things like over and over and over and over again. And still sometimes I'll go up to the top and I'll be like, I'm so scared right now. <laughs> no, but I'll know that I'm capable of it because I did it lower right. around and, and a bunch of times. And there's somebody there and she's like, you're not going to die. Just go for it. So you're not going to die. It helps, it helps me overcome <laughs> fear too. It's great. It's, it's a, it's a great form of like getting, getting somebody out of their comfort zone for sure. Well, I, is it Tony Robbins that likes to help tell people push yourself? It's like this therapy moving, you know, get into it. You know, I think he'll do something and someone's afraid of ladders and you'll see them climbing a ladder on a stage. I mean, it's, but it makes sense, right? You face your fear and conquer it and more confidence. Exactly. Oh, oh, I just had to, I just had to know, cause that's such an amazing, you have to, res, you really respect It's like an, any athlete, right? But yours is a beautiful performance beyond just the athleticism that it takes. I mean, Thank it's you. amazing. <laughs> I was a fan when I saw I was like, okay, now that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I think I'd be a cool mom if I could do that. <laughs> you already are a cool mom. There are things that I have no idea about and would be so scared to like, oh my goodness, I'm a medical doctor? Like what, I have to treat patients? Oh boy. Like that's badass in and of itself. Well, you know, the first day you, you're, you're suddenly a student and then the next day you're a medical student, right? And then you go to resident or a doctor and then you go to residency and then you're suddenly an attending. It's like, oh wow, I'm really responsible for people. Yeah. By far the scariest thing though was delivering babies. <gasps> the rest is nothing. I was like, mm, yeah, but you know, it's, it's such an honor to be in the medical profession. I mean, cause you're, you're with people when they die, you're with people when they are joyful and sad and, um, and just to be present in, in people's journeys like that is, um, it's a, it's a gift. It's a very blessing. Yeah. So don't take that for granted. <laughs> so, but wow. I thank you so much for your wonderful time. Bless your heart for being very patient with me, but you did such a wonderful interview and I'm, I'm sure our audience is going to be so thankful for your, your words of wisdom. And plus the people on YouTube, you guys got to watch. She's actually gorgeous. So thank awesome. you again. <laughs> thank you for everything. It was such a joy to talk with you and I hope that it, it helps and inspires people and they have laughs and they share tears and they get inspired. That's, that's my hope for this. So thank you for, for giving me the opportunity and others the opportunity to, to be inspired by your channel too with other videos. Oh, well, thank you so much. I, we appreciate you so much. <laughs> All right. I'll see you soon.